this is Peter Basaldus. You're listening to White Line Fever. What a great show it is. Sitting back, listening to a bit of Bacca Daka, some White Snakes, some LA Guns. That's what we want to hear. That's what we like to, to listen to, to get ourselves fired up as well when we're about to watch a great game of rugby league. White Line Fever, how good is it? Welcome to episode 7 and I'm here with a very, very special guest. It's Kevin Hero, former uh, Manly and Wigan star who's now running rugby league in the Cook Islands and we're watching uh, Cook Islands national team play a Prime Minister's 13, Kevin, and obviously you wish it was the Kiwis they were playing. Yeah, obviously we do, mate. That was a bit of a blow, you know, when the Kiwis pulled out um, eight days ago. But hey, uh, gave our other young fellas a chance to um, have a hit out against, uh, you know, our pros and pro team and uh, mate, they've been playing well. What are the circumstances surrounding the cancellation the game happened quite suddenly and understandably a few people here in Rarotonga are still a bit, bit unhappy about it, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, when you look at all three uh, Warriors grades making the final and you look at the Kiwi makeup now, I think it's nine, nine Warriors have made the Kiwis and uh, they felt they, they should basically come up short with players and they had other injuries and concerns and um, other uh, players with club commitments and so you know at the end of the day I don't think they wanted to send a, a half strength side up or, or sort of um, cap uh, non-Kiwi players just for the, for the sake of you know getting a game in. So how's, uh, how's the sport of rugby league going here? I mean you seem very well organised, you had a tri-series involving home-based players, New Zealand-based players and Australian-based players and that's how you pick this uh, Prime Minister's 13 but rugby league seems to have a very very high profile here. Yeah it is, it's, it's definitely the, um, the highest spectator sport uh, on the island. You know, you've also got your, your soccer and your rugby union, but uh, we're probably, uh, well, we are the only code that boasts uh, seven senior teams, and, and one of those teams is from the outer island, so that sort of gives you an idea of, uh, you know, how uh, league band, uh, you know, the Cook Islands are. Yeah, and you're already in the uh, World Cup, which is which is good news, and you've got a very strong team out here tonight, so you be fairly confident putting together a pretty strong side for England, and uh, what's England and Wales, isn't it, in 2013? Absolutely, you know, you've got um, all these young fellas out here who, you know, there's probably average age of 23, with the exception of Carl Timothy, who's 33, um, Byron Ford, 28, the rest are all under 23, so, you know, uh, we can keep this nucleus, uh, nucleus of this team together, 2013 will be looking pretty strong. Kevin, you're also involved in the, um, the International Federation, I mean, there's been talk of having a um, Pacific All-Stars this time next year playing against England. Are you involved in that? Do you think it's going to happen? Are the NRL clubs still um, sort of uh, objecting to that idea? How much do you know about it? Oh, I'm not sure. You know, the, the, the idea has been bandied around on, on many occasions, you know, and for probably the last five, six years since I've been on the Federation. And uh, we've just uh, formalised the Asia-Pacific uh, Rugby League Federation this year, so they'll obviously have a big part to play uh, in any such game. Uh, but at this stage, yeah, it's, it's hearsay and... Uh, you know, it'd be good. It's a good concept, but um, you know whether it has the legs and uh, whether or not you know the NRL clubs want to want to release players for it. It's another story. A big hot topic in rugby league over the last 48 hours is Rangi Chase's selection for uh, England. Uh, how, how do you think international um, qualification should work? Because People have got widely varying opinions, haven't they? Some people get annoyed by players switching countries all the time. Other people realise that developing countries need access to um, Australian, New Zealand players who miss out on selection. What, what changes in an ideal world would you make uh, to international qualification? 
Well, I think the, the league's got it right, actually, for the size of the game. You know, when you look at it on a global scale, the league's not a big game. So if you're, you're going to be too uh, stringent on the rules, and, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of stars being left out of World Cups and uh, big tournaments, and uh, that's not no good for our, um, you know, any country, particularly the game of rugby league. You know, um, the fact is, and everyone knows, it's the three big, three big countries, and... Uh, it's sort of our, the smaller nation's job to try to get up to that level and, uh, you know, to, to, to bring about sort of an evenness in uh, the international uh, footy arena. And I think with the Pacific Islands, you know, that's very achievable in the next, you know, five to ten years. One more question I've always wanted to ask. You and your brother seem to pronounce your surname differently. You're Kevin Hero and he's Tony Ira. How does that work? Oh, I think it's just the country we live in, you know. I think it's easy for um, the, the Kiwis to say Iro, whereas you're in the islands, it's Iro, because that's, you know, that's how you pronounce it. So, uh, yeah, we grew up in New Zealand as Iro, but uh, obviously I live here now, so I'm in Iro. Congratulations on all the work you've done here, Kevin. Cheers, mate. And here on White Line Fever, we love chicken foot. Here's another chicken foot song. It's called uh, A Different Devil, off the new, new album 3, which is actually the second album. There's a wise old tale about the same old hell Only the devil has changed With two brand new lovers rolling in the covers Everybody wants some strange We all know somebody Gonna tell you just what to do
heaven with all her glory. Salvation is here, and we all know somebody's gonna tell. Okay, we're back uh, with Scott and Rob um, from Anthrax, and we're talking about the new album, which is either worship music or worship music. Uh, <laughs> um, now, it's it's got a cohesive vibe to it, hasn't it? It sort of sticks together. It's not just a bunch of songs. Was there, was there like a... Now, this is one of those obvious questions I'm sure you've answered four or five times a day, but was there a, a, an approach? Is that, is that an accidental sort of outcome, or, or was there an approach there, a theme... You, you mean like the actual sequencing of the album? You know what, Charlie and I actually separately, uh, I sent him my idea for a sequence and he wrote me back his idea and I think we were like one song off from each other without ever, having ever spoke about it the way we, we, had, it, we had it laid out. And um, I, it just, it was an easy sequence. Sometimes sequencing and figuring out how the album is supposed to flow is really difficult and I felt like this record just from you know listening to it and living it with so long it made it easy for us because this it just the songs told us in a sense this is how we're supposed to go to tell the story that that you're trying to tell and um, it does really fit together really well it is cohesive and it, it, it just it works it's, it's an album I mean it, you know one of the things that I think has gotten lost over the years with, with music, you know, in general, is the, the art of making an album, which basically we started with the Beatles, but it's it's been lost, you know, it's like, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons why the music business got flipped around, because, you know, you, you put you put your money down to buy a, buy a CD or buy a record, and, and, you know, one song is good, and, and the rest of the record sucks, it's like, well, what the hell is that, you know what I mean? Uh... You know, and years ago, like all, all the classic records, you, it's the same kind of thing. You listen, you listen to the whole album, top to bottom, and you can't just listen to one song. And, and I think with this new Anthrax record, Worship Music, it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's an album. It's a complete picture. It, you know, it's a statement. There was a time when people thought the album was dead and that everyone was just going to put out songs as soon as they finished recording it. Uh, I mean... Some, some bands are doing that. There, there is that model right now where... 
some bands are like just releasing songs, you know, and putting them out, you know, whether digitally or whatever. Like, I mean, I know Rush has had what two songs out now for well, a, a while, you know. Like, th- there's something to be said for that, but at the same time, which you know, it's, it's not that we're fighting against the future because we embrace technology. We certainly em- embrace coming up with new business models to make things work in a business that's, you know, basically cannibalized itself. But uh, I, I, th- I could speak for Rob and I think the whole band when I say this, we all feel really strongly about making albums, a complete yeah. album. The idea of just like doing one song or two songs and then, you know, maybe eight months later another one song or two songs, I don't know, it's just not... That works for me. That works in pop music, singles-driven type of music. It's not like for me, metal has always been about complete records, and mm-hmm. I guess you know I, I'm kind of set in my ways. I guess when it comes to that, years ago, I mean, the, the funny thing is that's how that's how everything was started with with you know record companies and, and artists back yeah. in the day. It's like it was all singles, and like I said, the Beatles really pioneered the album. You know, the start to finish. This is our. This is where we're at right now. This is our statement, you know. Um, and you know, obviously, that evolved. You know, bands in the heavier, you know, side of things like Led Zeppelin and uh, Black Sabbath and all these other bands throughout the years. Van Halen, ACDC, Metallica, Anthrax, just kind of evolved into into this thing. And, and um, it's just recently that I feel like, the, like I said earlier, the art of, of making albums is kind of. It's getting lost, it, and it, a lot of it has to do with, you know, these these bands. It's, it happens more more so in the the pop rock genre, but the, these bands are just chasing their tails, looking for hit songs, and and the labels as well. They're signing bands based on one song rather than developing an artist, right. you know. And that's that's a that's a huge thing, and that's that's definitely hurt the music business, you know, exponentially. You would talking earlier about someone asked you about fans and their expectations and whether you just do what they tell you but i mean what about the whole sort of backlash thing with labels and what is thrash and what isn't thrash and you know metallica obviously have had you know times in their career where where their their hardcore fans have said they're sold out and probably every band has i mean does being in the big four give you the freedom to say well we can do whatever we want because we're there no one's going to kick us out of the big four you know what i mean if (laughs) Uh, every band should have the problems Metallica's had of selling out. <laughs> boy, boy, it really affected them. I'll tell you when when those when when the seven fans who didn't like you know who said they sold out. You know, I, I, you know, it's amazing to me. I look and I understand the attitude. I mean, I I come from, I come from a place where I will admit there was times in the '80s where I mean, you know, look, it was like thrash or die. That was it. Like it was either you were you played this type of music or you didn't. Everything else was fucking was posers. You know what I mean? I used to be that guy, and then I grew up at some point, and my mind expanded, and I started listening to all kinds of music. And I, what's funny is before I was in Anthrax and we started playing the music we started playing. As a kid in the 70s, I listened to all kinds of music. I loved disco when it came out, even though people were like, disco sucks. But I loved disco. Like, it was cool. It was another version of funk and soul and, you know. Anyway, but then I got into this metal band and this thrash metal thing, and you just become very fascist in your ways. But then that ended again at, at some point because it is very confining. Like, why? It, beca- it would be boring for me to do the same thing over and over again. It's just not the type of human I am. So, 
you know, when it comes to the whole sellout thing, I understand the fans' point of view because I've been there with many bands that I love. Mm-hmm. Look, it was hard for me. I still, to this day, have never even really accepted Sammy Hagar and Van Halen. Mm-hmm. I'm strictly a David Lee Roth guy. It's like, nope, I don't like it. They, it's, it's too radio for me. I only like the David Lee Roth version. You know, like, whatever. I get it. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, if you're truly a fan of a band, it's almost like if you love them, then set them free. You know what I mean? It's like, that's just, that's the way I look at it. You know, you, you just have to, you have to let artists be artists. And being a part of the big four, no, it, it, it's not like, yeah, I guess you, you can't say we, someone's there not going to get kicked out of the big four. <laughs> We just are who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Even if, like, if worship music was, like, a, a, a progressive jazz record, you know, we would still be part of the big four. Our show, we'd probably not go over so well, but um, we'd still be part of the big four. So is there anything you wouldn't do? Like, you're in the studio and someone does something and you go, no, that's not anthrax. You can't do it. Is there, any, is there anything? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll say this. As far as... You know the big four goes. I, I think the reason why these bands are still around and still relevant today is because they never followed the trends and, and and all the bullshit. It was like they reinvented their own wheels. You know what I mean? And that's that's why they're still relevant and still it's the real deal. You know, it's not like copycat copycat music. It's it, each one of those bands has their own sound and their own voice. And you know, obviously they're bands that copy the bands that are on the big four bill but you know this is the real deal and that's why it's still it's still around today and it's still relevant you know okay we'll play another song and uh, come back and and uh, and wind it up but uh, what, what do you want to play uh, let's play uh, in the end
What's up? This is Scott Ian. This is Rob Caggiano of Anthrax, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back. It's the final uh, segment of the show, and I've got uh, Phil uh, Wilkinson here from the the uh, Wigan Observer and Rugby League Week, a colleague of mine at uh, Rugby League Week, and I know he wouldn't he'd love to be here in Cabo because he loves his uh, rock and roll. He would have loved to have been at the uh, the Chickenfoot show last night. Have you heard the new Chickenfoot record yet? Mate, I've not heard it yet, but uh, I'm sure I'll uh, I'll see your reviews and, and then download it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll pay to download it. You'll download it completely legally. Um, now there's a lot happening. Uh, we haven't really we had uh, Kevin Ero on at the start of the program. He was talking about what's happening in the Cook Islands, but plenty of other things happening in rugby league this week, including uh, Des Hasler announcing he's leaving Manly in a couple of years, and uh, Jeff Tudor will uh, take over for him then. So that's massive news in Australia. But also we had uh, the Super League Grand Final. And your boys, uh, Wigan, weren't there. But what about Leeds winning? Uh, big shock. Do you think they turned the corner at Wembley by not getting flogged? Mate, absolutely, I do, yeah. Because people have said that Wembley is, um, you know, it can tire you and fatigue you. And, but, mate, it, it, it had the opportunity to effect on Leeds. It, it had that effect on Wigan. They just didn't look the same side after they won the Challenge Cup. But Leeds just seemed to use that as, as motivation. And I've never seen them play better all year as they did in the last few weeks. And they really did as you say, turn the corner and um, I don't think we didn't lose a game um, mm. after that Challenge Cup final. And some of the teams they knocked off, mate, in that playoff run. I mean, going from fifth, no side's ever done that before from over here. Um, no side might have the top three has even made the grand final from over here. And yet, you know, some of the, uh, the, the performances they put in, Warrington in the semi-final and then especially St. Helens in that final, it was um, a terrific late run from them. Some of the uh, crowds in the playoffs were pretty disappointing, weren't they? Do you think everyone there has accepted the playoff formula, given that, as we know, soccer doesn't have the playoffs? And uh, and do people really think of Leeds as champions, or do they? Do, do you think there's a section of the community that think of them just as the winners of what I saw described as the Sky Cup, uh, you know, when they, by by winning the playoffs? Or do you think that they are generally accepted by by everyone as as the as the as the champions? No, I, mean, I wouldn't say they're generally accepted by everyone. No, you, 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 uh, you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of the, um, the, the, the rugby league fans of, of each club can accept that Leeds are champions. You know, I've not heard any real complaints about what from Warrington fans or Wigan fans that Leeds aren't the champions. A few grumbles about whether the playoff system is fair um, and whether it rewards teams who finished high up the ladder, you know, who finished first and second. But, mate, as I say, this is the first time a team from outside the top three has made the grand final. So, historically, it obviously does favour. The, uh, the sides who finish higher up the ladder and the people just to, just on the point about the champions the people who were 
who, who raise the ladders and obviously the people who aren't the really the rugby league fans, you know, the kind of the, the soccer fans or the union fans who just kind of keep a passing interest in this sport and, and watch the big games. And, and so while they enjoyed the grand final and, and I'm sure kind of can appreciate the fairy tale run that Leeds went on, it, it doesn't sit comfortably with them that a team that finishes fifth in a lot can be called the champions because they've grown up. It's in Britain, the, 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 the psyche that it's first past the post. And so for a side to finish fifth, you know, after already seeing comparisons with Premier League soccer where he said, you know, what if a team who finished fifth, Man City or Spurs, what if they were called champions at the end of the year when, when Man United had dominated so much? So it, it does, it does uh, you know, some people still do struggle to, uh, to, to kind of fully grasp this concept. What about the England uh, Four Nations squad? Um, any surprises there, Phil? Make quite a few surprises. I mean, when the squad was named, everyone expected to be talking about the overseas players who are in there because it's quite, you know, I know the cricket side and the rugby union side do that, but rugby league has kind of resisted that in the past. It, 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 you know, we've been one or two in there, but, but never before the, um, have you had such an influx of, of, of influence from, you know, you know Randy Chase for Kiwi and, and Chris Hyington and, and Jack Reed as well, who have got the ties to England, admittedly. Um, but everyone thought that would be the debate in an issue yesterday when the squad was named. Now it completely wasn't. It, it, it was all on Ryan Bailey and John Wilkin. These two folks, mate, they can't stand each other. And, and John Wilkin, the St. Helens player, he had some pretty nasty comments to say about Bailey after the grand final. He, he called him an embarrassment as a human being as well as a rugby league player. He said he's, he's a child in a man's body. He said, I've got no respect for him whatsoever. And they, then just, you know, 24 or 48 hours later, they were both named in the England squad, and so they will meet up tomorrow uh, for the first time down in Loughborough. And I'll tell you what I would pay to be a fly on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. That's an incredible, uh, incredible story. Um, now, um, we, uh, now, this is the bit where you get to uh, play a song. Uh, you can close the show. I know I won't uh, put any ideas in your mind, but I know you do like that new Mr. Big record. So, anyway, um, pick a song. Oh, mate, put me on a spot, why don't you? Mate, I, mate, just for you, then I'll go for a Mr. Big track, but I won't go for all to be with you, and I um, and I won't go off for a new record either. I'll go for one of the um, off the Lean Into It album. Go for um, uh, Daddy, Brother, Lover, Little Boy. Awesome, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks, Phil. Thanks for coming on White Line Fever. No worries, mate. Anytime. Thank you.